across the blue line. Leaves it. Kale McCarr winds, fires, score! Now Rubido, top of the near circle, pass far side, wide open net. What a save made by Philip Grubauer. Just outstanding stuff. I am Grub. And Zadorov oh. smash! <laughs> oh my goodness! Yep. What a bone-crushing hit by Nikita Zadorov. And Howard Luck has no idea what day it is, what time zone he's in, and he is slowly making his way towards the bench. Hello and welcome into another episode of Avalanche Talk Quarantine Edition. Uh, it's been a few weeks since we've recorded. Um, not much going on around the NHL, but you know we've got nothing else to do. And lately, there's actually been some stuff going on to, to actually talk about. So I figured it was a good time to check in with everyone, let people know that we're doing okay, and most of all, hopefully, just brighten up somebody's morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you are listening to this. So thank you for joining us at Avalanche Talk. I am your host, JJ Jerez. With me, as always, is Arif Dean. Arif, how you been hanging in there the last couple weeks? I'm hanging in there, man. Just by a thread, but I'm here. <laughs> yeah, much like everybody else, I would say. Um, you know, we're now into our third month of not having hockey. A lot of people getting their hockey fixes in a lot of different ways. I, for one, have been stick-handing a lot around the house. Uh, you know, people playing a lot of NHL on Xbox or PlayStation. Some people listening to the podcast. Some people watching old games on NHL. How are you scratching that itch? How are you getting your hockey fixes lately? You know... Yeah, you know, for me, it's just uh, keep it up with keep it up with daily events and seeing what's going on, and that includes obviously the podcast, the uh, puck soup and spit and chicklets, and thirty one thoughts has probably become my favorite of the bunch, and just watching all the TSN videos, all the updates, and just trying to get a hold of what's going on and when hockey's going to be back. I guess you just got to consume it where you can, right? Any anything hockey related is just a good fix right now for all of us missing things. To me, it kind of feels. A lot like baseball season with just not much going on, no hockey to pay attention to. I usually don't watch too much baseball anyway. But I think the biggest topic all of us are watching right now, paying attention to, is just the decision on if slash when the season is actually going to resume. If it does, the talks right now are mainly towards the 2014 playoff. You know, lately, I've kind of been on both sides. I, I think I'm leaning towards more the side that I think the season should just be canceled. And we shouldn't restart anything. But, you know, hopefully after discussing things with you and kind of seeing both sides of the page, I guess, um, hopefully I'll be converted and, and maybe just a little bit more clear as to what my opinion actually is. But, you know, there's just so many pros and cons being thrown out there in both directions. Let's just start with your initial thoughts on the 2014 tournament. Yep. Yeah. So regarding the 2014 playoff, um, the first step to convincing you that this is a good idea, if you're on the fence about it, is it's not exactly a 2014 playoff. Uh, technically, it's 24 teams are coming back for an opportunity to make the traditional 16-team playoff. So that was something that was sort of uh, reaffirmed and confirmed today on TSN's Insiders. They had uh, insider trading, and Pierre Lebrun said exactly that. He said... We're technically going to have a traditional 16-team playoff format with a best-of-seven series. The 24-team playoffs is basically bringing in eight extra teams rather than 15 extra teams that would have a chance to play into that 16-team format. Now, if the NHL does this the right way, that could end up, you know, 
playing in playing in their favor and being a good thing. But to put it in technical terms, those Chicago's and Montreal's, if they don't end up making it to the sixteen team format uh, after these play in or round robin or however the hell they end up doing it, um, I would probably I would be willing to bet that the games that those teams play. They don't go down in the history books as playoff games. They get added to their regular season games. They get added as regular season goals and assists and points for the players. And traditional 16-team playoff format wouldn't include those teams. They It would be considered the Blackhawks missed the playoffs this year, for example. Yeah, and that's kind of the biggest thing for me. I mean, I always like to take a second and think about what does this look like from the player's perspective? And I think that's a big issue for them is they don't want to jump in and just get right into playing. So I think those for first sure. handful of games are going to be important for them to just kind of get back in the swing of things. I mean, you don't want to jump out there and then suddenly you're risking, you're at higher risk of injury or, you know, you, you haven't, had, your muscles just aren't used to it and you pull, you pull a groin or something. And, you know, the players just yeah. need that extra comfort level to just kind of get back to the swing of things, especially with meaningful games. I mean, you're not jumping in and just playing some preseason. You're playing Stanley Cup playoffs. So you gotta, you got to have some time to kind of reacclimate yourself and, and get back into the intensity of the NHL. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, even if you look at last year's playoffs, what happened to Tampa Bay in the first round, it wasn't even the matter of Tampa Bay didn't get to play games leading up to that series against Columbus. It's it's the fact that Tampa Bay's games were meaningless. They really didn't need it to win. Didn't need to win those games. They weren't really that important. So Columbus had the upper hand because they were coming in hot. We saw what the Avalanche did to Calgary in the West. Same idea. So. In terms of this 2014 format, I think people are sort of losing their minds over we're giving Montreal and Chicago a freebie into the playoffs. We're not giving them freebies into the playoffs. I think what the NHL is basically saying is those seven teams at the bottom, the three Canadian, the three California teams, Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo, and I'm and New Jersey Devils, there's no point for them to come back. The Red Wings can play five play-in games, ten play-in games, six play-in games, whatever the heck the NHL comes up with, and it's not even going to give them a sniff at the playoffs. Neither will New Jersey, San Jose, etc. So all of these teams are pretty much all but mathematically eliminated. So let's take 23 players multiplied by seven teams plus coaching staffs, medical staffs, teams, social media, PR, etc., and keep them home. Why should we bring those extra 250 bodies to these hub cities when those teams have thrown in the towels? So... You know, there is an argument to be made that maybe we should give 22 teams a chance at the playoffs or 20 teams. But let's face it, Chicago and Montreal, 23 and 24, they're big markets. It'll give the NHL more money. And at a time like this, the NHL needs to make those extra dollars. But I will say, I think deep down inside, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, all these guys are hoping they could bring Chicago and Montreal in to play those five or six or seven play-in games or mini tournaments, whatever it is, round robins. And they're kind of probably hoping they lose just so that they don't ruin the integrity of the 16-team format, but at the same time get the extra benefits uh, financially from those teams playing some games, if you ask me. You definitely hit the nail on the head there. I mean, dollar signs are going to be the driving factor for a multi-million dollar industry like this. And yep. um, it's unfortunate to say, but you can't blame them. They have a lot of revenue to compensate for. But um, moving on a little bit, we saw over the weekend the reopening of a professional sports league, and that was the German soccer league, the Bundesliga. Uh, a couple things I wanted to make note of from that. A, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on the f- playing in an empty stadium. I mean, watching those games, there's really a different energy about them. It was really weird watching a game with 
no fans in the stadium. So I want to see how you thought that was going to affect the restarting of the NHL and that postseason tournament they're planning. But also, I think the biggest thing is just the hurdles that people were jumping to make the Bundesliga restart. I mean, there was player testing, um, you know, just a lot of sacrifices that the players were making and officials and just anybody in charge. And I think they... I think German soccer is a big deal to people in Germany, and they're just willing to make sacrifices over there that I think that perhaps American and Canadian players aren't going to be willing to make. I'm going to agree and disagree with that at the same time, in the sense where I think if you took you know, the 16 or 20 teams at the top and you asked every player on that roster, if the NHL starts August 1st, are you in or out? I'm willing to bet... 90% of them would say yes and then the other 10% would be a mixture of no and we'll see let's see where it goes etc cetera, etc cetera. maybe 90 is a big number maybe 80 maybe 75 well, isn't the idea for the players to leave their families behind and kind of just have their own self-isolation among themselves so that's something that they're still kind of talking about and they haven't really figured it out so I don't want to comment on that ex- you know precisely um, I'd imagine there's I, I do real quick I just wanted to say also that if they do end up having these isolation hub cities or wh- whatever they're calling them it's going to get rowdy I mean you put a bunch of hockey boys it's going to be like the Olympics yeah yeah you know getting a bunch of people together they're just going to have a blast when they're all, all together and a lot of camaraderie. For sure, yeah. Like, who knows? I mean, obviously, I mean, I'll use the Maple Leafs as an example because they have a bunch of young guys that are single. If you have Marner, Matthews, and Nylander and all these guys and you ask them to go do this, yeah, absolutely, they're going to agree to this. But if you tell that to someone like Patrick Marlowe who used to play for the Leafs and has all these kids and a wife and a family at home, he might be more on the fence about it. So it's just going to be a demographic thing and an age thing. You know damn well the Avalanche players are going to be up for it. Landis Gog might be a little iffy. He's got a wife and a, and a new, you know, a new newborn at home, and you have some of the older guys are married as well. So, I mean, that's going to play a big factor. I don't want to say specifically how it's going to go because obviously none of us know at this point what's going to happen if the families are going to be there or not. But that's definitely going to be one of the factors. But in terms of a purely health point of view, of I don't want to do this. It's going to harm me or my loved ones. I think a low percentage of players will actually say no and uh, not want to play and they have every right to like nobody can say anything these are unprecedented unprecedented times uh you know if someone like Max Domi who has type 1 diabetes is immunocompromised and he says I don't want to do this I'd rather stay home knowing very well his situation who can tell him otherwise you can't fine him. You can't hold paychecks away from him because you don't get paid for the playoffs. What are the Canadians going to do? Suspend him for the beginning of next season? Why the hell would they do that to themselves? So you can't really hold anybody if they want to stay back and not participate in this. But I do think it'll be a low number. And we can't forget about the mumps outbreak from a few years back. You know, uh, that really spread quickly and spread amongst hockey players. And I think once Sidney Crosby got it, that's kind of when everybody yeah. was alerted to like, hey, this is serious. This is very contagious and it can spread very quickly when all these guys are around each other which is a very similar situation now and when you have hockey players bumping into each other and you know uh after whistle scrums and and just sweat splashing around it's easily caught so once one person gets it you know it's going to quickly spread especially when they're all in these same little you know hub cities um but another thing that was kind of brought up was the testing and how they're hoping to bring in some less invasive testing now I'm not a doctor. I haven't had coronavirus, yeah. um, so I, I'm not too familiar with the with the coronavirus testing. But what I've heard is that they take a cotton swab, 
stick it all the way up their nose and and ja- and swab the back of the throat. So that just sounds very, I guess, like I said, just sacrifices the players that won't they won't be willing to make. I mean, something that sounds very uh, painful. Yeah, painful. Yeah. Like that just sounds like something that it's too big of a hurdle that and that then then the then it's worth. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I'm curious if that's the only kind of test. Again, I I might sound completely ignorant because let's face it, I am. I don't know much about this, so I don't know exactly what kind of testing they're going to do. Um, maybe with a quick Google search, we can find out exactly what they did with the UFC events that they've been holding the last three weeks. Obviously, with Dana White testing all the fighters and all the staff and the teams there or uh, in the German Bundesliga and what they've been doing with their testing uh, before their games over this past weekend. Um, but that is a good point. But like I said, you know, well, actually, I didn't say this, but I think the most important thing is similar to that UFC event, and I'm not talking the fight nights, but I'm talking the the big event last weekend or a little over a week now where Justin Gaethje, obviously, uh, Colorado kid, shout out to him, uh, upset Tony Ferguson in the in the main event. That event right there, there was a fighter, and I forget his name, that tested positive leading up to the event time. And as soon as that guy tested positive and one of his trainers tested positive, we all assumed that Dana White was going to call off the event, and he didn't. And there was a lot of talk about this leading up to the start of this event and what the hell are you doing? Why are you still holding this? And there's no crowds, and it's not going to be the same without the fans, without this, without that. But the moment that event started, it was simply about the sport. All people are talking about coming out of this event is Justin Gaethje upset Tony Ferguson. It was as if this coronavirus thing didn't exist. And I'm not going to sit there and pretend we should go down the path where let's ignore it and maybe it'll go away because that's the stupidest thing you can do. But at the same time, I think we're, we're going down a similar path with hockey right now where there are so many things to think about. There are so many reasons why. And I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter. I have. Whenever the Bob McKenzie's and the Pierre Lebrun's and the Elliot Friedman's post something about coming back to play hockey, the first 10 comments on it are big time hockey fans all saying, just shut it down, league. Just shut it down, Batman. What are you guys doing? Stop it let it go the season's over i think it's going to be happening like that all the way up until the puck drops on whatever funky format in whatever hub city in front of whatever empty arena happens and as soon as the puck drops and it's back to hockey that's going to be the only thing on people's minds is the game of hockey uh how we get there is a different story. What kind of testing we have is a different story. But I think that's going to be ultimately what ends up happening once we do get there. Well, and the Bob McKenzie's and, and Pierre Lebrun's, you know, those are definitely the more old school type of guys that really want the integrity of the game to stay the same and don't want to change anything about the game. Yeah. And, and that's kind of an op- opinion I share with them. And that's kind of my next point is I think there's going to be an asterisk and a kind of a tainted Stanley Cup if they were to finish out the season. I mean, you look back at the uh, the Hurricanes back, what was it, the shortened season or after the lockout and the, either the Blackhawks or the Kings, um, whoever won the last shortened season. You know, I think both of those Stanley Cups kind of have those asterisks on them for me. And um, I just don't think that it, it's a good reason to start the season back over just for that reason. No matter what, 20 years down the road, we're going to look back at this year and say, yeah, X team won this cup, but it was also weird circumstances and, and blah, 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 blah. So I don't know where you stand on it. That's just kind of how I feel in terms of the old guy mentality, so to speak. But I disagree yeah. with that for the exact point that I just made. And that is a good point. Um, 
just for starters, because I know somebody's going to hear this and lose their mind about it. Carolina won the 06 Cup. The first shortened season was New Jersey. So you just mixed the, the two up. Um, but going back to that point is we're going to talk about all the reasons why this is tainted until we get back to playing. I think what's going to be ruined from the traditional game and you know ruining the integrity of the game, like you said, keeping it as close to possible as you can. I think the only thing that's going to change is these play-in games, these round robins. However, we get to the point where we have a 16-team playoff format, which is traditional is someone, you know, Connor McDavid in Edmonton might play 76 games and Nathan McKinnon on the Avalanche, who has missed a game due to injury, but Nathan McKinnon might play 71. Detroit might play 71 games, Chicago 77, New Jersey 73. So the games played for the regular season are going to be all over the map in, in, in the terms of the traditional game and ruining the integrity of the game and not going veering too far away from it. But I think in the end, is exactly what I was saying is the winning playoff team is going to win 16 games. It's going to be a traditional format. Uh, Things that are going to be different are there's no home ice advantage now. Uh, Obviously, that's a big thing. Colorado, home ice advantage doesn't matter. That's been the talk the entire season. We want to catch St. Louis because if we played San Jose in that game seven at home, maybe things go different. None of that matters anymore. Other than that, I think it's going to be traditional in that sense. Um... I don't think it's going to be a tainted cup. I don't think there's going to be an asterisk. I mean, in the end, like, going back to the UFC, the UFC had somebody that tested positive, and they still helped the event. Um, Think of the other fighters. Think of what they went through. Like, you know, if you're in the NHL and a player tests positive, that's an additional piece of anxiety and stress on your mind on top of the fact that you're fighting for the Stanley Cup. You're fighting for this goal, for this dream that you've always had. Uh, Your family may or may not be around. Um... You know, people around the world are in shambles. Everything is hard right now. You have players that are going to be coming back from Europe that are probably going to be, you know, losing sleep at night. Like, holy crap, am I doing this for the good of, for, for you know, am I, is it really worth it for me to be doing this? Basically, what I'm trying to say is nothing about the Stanley Cup is going to be easy. Nothing about the team that wins it is going to be easy. The amount of adversity that they're going to overcome is going to truly be, uh, insane and unlike any other past Stanley Cup champion. So in terms of it being an asterisk, after going through what's going to have to happen for this Stanley Cup to be awarded, again, if, 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 but after going through all of the steps necessary from today, May 19th until September, October, whenever the heck that cup is raised in front of an empty arena, the amount of sacrifices and things that those players on the winning team would have to go through, they are not going to sleep at night and say, yeah, this was a tainted or an asterisk cup. They're going to say, we worked damn hard for this, and we worked harder than any other champion has. Just real quick, so nobody thinks I'm an idiot. Who won the Stanley Cup the year uh, after the lockout in the mid-2000s when you know they started implementing the salary cap and all that jazz? That was Carolina, but that was yeah, a Yeah, that's st- who I meant. Yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of place an asterisk yeah. on that Stanley Cup just because that was the first season with uh the salary cap in the first season the avalanche kind of got torn to shreds so that's kind of what i meant there so oh um, okay so okay that's what you're going for gotcha i I do know my hockey uh but you know i I also wanted to get back to it you never really got your answer through when i started talking about the bundesliga earlier and the games that they started playing over the weekend the biggest factor for me in watching those and the only reason i was watching them is for betting reasons but <laughs> the biggest thing i noticed was just the lack of intensity from the players and that ha- i think that had a lot to do with the empty building i mean there were no fans so you could tell the players just were treating it like practice and 
I, understandably so. It had to feel like practice from their point of view. For sure. Um, just with that lack of energy in the building. So, I, you know, because of that, I think the same thing would happen in hockey I'd be afraid of. And and I really like a lot of the points you're making. Don't get me wrong. They are going to have to overcome a lot of adversity, whoever does win this. And it's not going to be easy by any means. But, you know, they are talking about some rule changes, no fighting, no after whistle scrums. Uh, maybe even face shields. You know, a lot of this is compromising the game. And I think once you start changing up the game and start changing up the product, that's when you're facing a slippery slope. And that's where I think this tournament or what have you is going to end up with an asterisk or be tainted. If it's things like that, I definitely agree it's going to change the actual game the way it's played. But if we're just simply... If you're taking an Avalanche and Blues game and you're throwing it at Family Sports Center on that little ice, well, the same size ice rink, but that little arena with no people in the crowd and saying, look at these players, they can't feed off of the energy of the crowd. That to me is not big enough of a reason to change the integrity of the game. That to me is not a big enough reason. It's going to suck. It's going to be weird. You're going to award a Stanley Cup in front of no fans. Uh, That's going to suck for the players that win it this year and it's the only time they win it. Because they're never going to truly get to get that full feel. Not having a a celebration at the end and a big thing going through downtown Denver or whatever city wins it. Um, That, none of that is a good enough reason to me. If it's something along the lines of changing the way the game is played, the way that you just said, yeah, that I could see. But I don't know if it's going to get to that. I guess we'll see. I don't know. I didn't even think of that. The vision just kind of popped into my head of, of a player raising the Stanley Cup up to an empty building, no fans. It's you know usually we, when we see that happen, the cuss words and everything get kind of drowned it, out it, by the crowd. It didn't drown out Ryan O'Reilly last year, and it's not going to drown out a <laughs> lot of true. players this year. So um, another thing I think might jeopardize the game uh, while we're on that topic, and I think this is something we kind of get into every single summer, and especially as the playoffs start to stretch later and later into those early June weeks and that's the ice quality you know if we start getting games going late June mid-July early August I think there's going to definitely be an issue with the ice quality it's going to get soft and you know especially if they're having the idea of having multiple games a day on the same sheet I mean the NHL players shred the hell out of that ice so it's really going to be tough to maintain and with a team like the Avalanche who really kind of count on fast play a soft ice is really going to hurt them i mean it's exactly what we saw during the outdoor game recently you know they they were a little bit affected by that speed so again just another thing that's going to kind of jeopardize the quality of the game so that's a very good point um i'm curious to see what players say because lord knows players love to talk about the ice condition and post game uh scrums and press conferences which we're not going to have scrums you know very minimal scrums this year uh because of social distancing but I know Gary Bettman was asked about that and he said he had no worry about that just because things have advanced so far to the point where you can have an outdoor game in Dallas in January or, you know, he referenced Tampa Bay winning the cup in 2004 and God knows how many hundreds of degrees of heat in June that it gets in Tampa Bay, Florida. Um, so I think the NHL will bring their A game in terms of the ice crews, uh, the which obviously they have a lot of practice with, with these outdoor games and, you know, catering to conditions. The only thing that they probably, ultimately, they don't have any experience with is playing two or three or four games on one sheet of ice every day. Uh, That's going to be different. When it gets to the Stanley Cup Finals, it's going to be the same because there's only two teams left and they're going to play every other day or whatever it may be. 
that's a good point. That's something that we're going to see uh, sort of play out as time goes on. But, I mean, all of this stuff is ultimately, you know, there's – the NHL's never been through this. If, God forbid, we live through another pandemic in our life and there's another situation where we have to do something like this again and the league has to operate in this way, we can say what worked in 2020 and what can we make better. Unfortunately, right now, we don't have that. Right now, all we have is what we know and – what we know is nothing. We're just going to have to sort of go with the flow and see what happens. Absolutely. And I think another hurdle that we've yet to discuss, which is something that was kind of brought up just earlier today, we're recording here on Tuesday evening for you, and that's the the international travel ban that is going to be extended for the U.S. and Canada, which presents a whole nother uh, bag of worms for the NHL. How are they going to get their players back to the cities that they need to be with their teams and back in the training facilities? But... I think at the end of the day, we just really got to listen to the NHLPA and what they have to say because they're going to make the right decision for themselves. And, you know, we can't just treat them like pawns. They are the ones that make the money in the league. So I think they, yeah. their opinions really need to be heard in this matter because it's them that's risking themselves and it's them that's doing all the work. For sure. That's absolutely true. And like I said, if a player chooses to stay home and not participate in this, even if it's a Miko Ranton and coming back from Finland and saying, hey, you know what? This country's kind of a lot, has a lot more cases than what I'm used to since March. And I think that's very important. And I think the NHL is going to find a way to break a deal with the government to make it so that they can do this without, you know, obviously letting them have a little bit of a, a little bit of leeway with that border closure rule and in terms of in Canada Justin Trudeau the prime minister said that anybody who comes into the country has to quarantine for 14 days I think they will give the league some leeway with that and the league is obviously doing its best uh, in trying to make this happen because right now the Canadian dollar has dipped way low I have family living in Canada and I have family living here so this is something I always keep track of and Right now, one U.S. dollar is a dollar forty-two Canadian. So you're looking at a forty percent decrease in the amount of money you're going to spend to host one of the hub cities in Canada or two of the hub cities in Canada. You'll save a ton of money if the NHL is able to put six or twelve or eight teams in Edmonton rather than Denver, for example, just because of that Canadian dollar and how low it's gotten. So. Uh, I think all of these things are going to end up being a non-factor just because we're still in May, and I don't foresee any games happening until August. Yeah, I mean, those are fair points. Um, you know, I think the NHL can definitely pull some strings if they have to, and people will make things happen if it's ready to go. So you're right. Um, you know, I think you had a lot of good counterpoints to what I said. I'm glad you, you brought a lot of those things to, to my mind. Honestly, I still kind of feel like maybe it's just a, a, a done season and we need to move on, but... Um, if they could pull it off, you know, I'm going to be there to kind of watch. But if they don't, you know, how, how disappointed are you going to be? Do you really think this was the a the Avs had a, a spectacular chance? Was this their year? Or are you just kind of of the mindset that, you know, this is everybody anybody's tournament here? I think this was the Avalanche's year. I think they had a very great chance of winning, especially with the injuries and players coming back. You know, if, if everything had resumed as normal, um, the only reason why I wouldn't get down on it from that point of view is, you know, Colorado is not San Jose of last year, who's this big juggernaut team that has maybe one or two more chances before they ultimately fall off a cliff like they did this year. The Avalanche are starting what looks like a decade of dominant hockey, if not longer, hopefully, knock on wood. Um, 
Colorado right now reminds me of the 2009 Blackhawks. The 2009 Blackhawks were coming out of a rebuild, were a garbage team for many, many years, and out of the blue took the Red Wings to the Western Conference Final. They lost that series before going on to win three cups starting the very next year. So if this year becomes that year that the Avalanche sort of become that team without winning at all, it's only the start of a decade of dominance, in my opinion. So I wouldn't be too hung up, you know, for for Avalanche fans, I don't think they should be too hung up about it, hung up over this as much as if we were a team like a San Jose or if we were rooting for a team like a San Jose who, like last year, went all in, lost, and now they've sort of fallen off a cliff. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see if there is actually a tournament pulled off, like I said, and you know I'm going to be betting on it. You know, I'm going to be a little yeah. rusty here. We actually finally have a live ad read. I'm stoked to do it for you guys. So uh, bear with me if I if I uh, struggle through it. But, you know, it's something that I actually hold near and dear to my heart. I'm really excited to have these guys on board, and that's DraftKings. And that's because, you know, the wait is finally over for all of us bettors out there. DraftKings has brought legal sports betting to Colorado. Understandably, it may have flown under your radar, but sports are coming back. Just imagine how much more fun watching a game will be when you have some skin in that game. And the best way to get in the action is with DraftKings, and that's no lie. As an experienced better, I can back that up. Sportsbook <laughs> America, it's Sportsbook, uh, the Sportsbook is America's top sportsbook app and honestly it really is it's one of the first apps out there they've had a long time to create it um it's not some s offshore operation like a lot of the other gambling sites um DraftKings is legitimate sportsbook based right here in the u.s so you can be confident that your funds are secure with DraftKings sportsbook you can bet from wherever whenever you don't even have to leave your house this weekend there will be a big clash of the titans not sure if you guys have followed um it kind of you know flew over my head but Legend versus legend, goat versus goat. We're watching some golf. You know, I'm a big golf fan, trying to perfect my game a little during this coronavirus. Um, but, you know, this is going to be a fantastic kind of event for all golf fans and just sports fans in general. That's the Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning, Phil Mickelson versus Tiger Woods. I know we're all kind of waiting at the edge of our seat for this one to go down. And if that is enough to get you to tune in, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a special promotion. Just place $20 in bets on the big event, and you'll receive a free $20 live bet. Bet 20 and get 20. That's what I really like about DraftKings right now is they got a lot of specials going on like that. And there's a lot of different creative ways you can kind of play the game to, to really win your money. So um, this is a call to action. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code MHS when you sign up for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's a ton. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus of $1,000. Use the code MHS for Mile High Sports, don't forget, and get your sign-up bonus for up to $1,000. So basically, they're going to match what you put in as long as it's under $1,000. That's insane. That's a lot of money in free bets. So really exciting stuff. Yeah, and I mean, uh, to add on top of that, you must be obviously 21 or older. This is Colorado only, so to the fans out of state, unfortunately, that code will not work for you. The bonus is comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each one up to $500. That's how you're going to get up to that $1,000. The deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. So yeah, this is a very big thing. This is obviously great for degenerates like you and me that love gambling on sports. It's good to have that. And I'm excited for the golf event coming up this weekend, and I'm excited to see uh, sports obviously making a return. And this is actually going to you know, do a great job of really 
like it says, if you have a skin in the game, it's going to be that much more fun to watch and you're going to be a lot more invested. And I'm just excited to see where this goes. Yeah, that's what I say about betting all the time is it turns a regular old Tuesday night to suddenly you really care about what's going on with the Flames versus the Coyotes, for example. Just yeah. some random game out there. So, yeah, I hope that live read wasn't too bad for you guys. But again, this is something I really believe in and I can attest to how great DraftKings is. Um, you know, I've heard how quick their payouts are. Hopefully one day I can get there to a payout. Uh, no, just just kidding. I don't I don't lose that much. I do okay out there. Um, but yeah, really excited to have these guys on, and and hopefully that wasn't too painful for you guys. Use DraftKings if you're betting. Not not kidding. I, I would have even done that. You know, as a uh, just a, a segment in our podcast. It didn't even have to be a live read or anything forced on us. But moving on to the podcast, we have a couple more topics to get to now that we've passed the 2014 tournament. And uh, one kind of that I saw. Uh, and that I wanted to get to. It happened a few weeks ago, but obviously we haven't recorded in a while, and that's the rumors that the Avalanche were really close on a Matt Murray trade around the deadline. Um, I guess, you know, first and foremost, I want to kind of hear from you what you think that trade would have looked like from the Avalanche perspective. What would they have given up, and what would have come back? I... It's, it's hard to really think of what they could have done, but what, you know, I don't know how much really how much grounds there is to this rumor but the only thing that i could think of from the avalanche's point of view is they want to win the stanley cup this year and this is a goalie that's going to give them that opportunity we know joe sakic i remember when we had our press availability with him leading up to the deadline uh myself and the rest of the media met with him and he said we are looking for a goalie and matt murray to me kind of you know i might be outdating myself and my age for referring back to this but the 2004 season the avalanche had abishir and philip sauve as their goalies they had a stacked lineup at forward the defense obviously the korea solani year forsberg was still around they went out and they traded for edmonton starter and tommy sallow they bought in Salo sort of to challenge Abisher for that starting role and give them that depth to move forward and hopefully win a Stanley Cup that year, which didn't happen, but they had three goalie options. So I think what it says to me with Matt Murray is they might have been throwing in the towel on Philip Grubauer's season, not because he's been playing bad, he was playing great before his injury, but because of exactly that injuries and having a Pavel Francouz who's never started a playoff game bringing in someone like a Murray who's won two Stanley Cups it just seems like it you know it could have been a good idea in terms of what they would have given up I mean who knows I mean Murray's a free uh free agent this summer and Pittsburgh has to choose between Murray or Jari so he ultimately probably if they were looking to trade him means they were going with Jari I would imagine Tyson Jost would have something to do with that deal just because Pittsburgh is always looking for forward depth and they're looking for guys that make low cost uh, which is why they went out and acquired Patrick Marlowe, who makes league minimum. I completely, you know, I can't believe I forgot that Patrick Marlowe plays for Pittsburgh. It's one of those things we've forgotten about because it's been so long. But um, it would have probably been centered around some mid-level draft picks, seconds, thirds, fourths, and somebody like a Tyson Jost. I know that seems very easy to just say that that's what it would have been. But ultimately, that's what it would have been. Matt Murray's a free agent coming up this summer, and if the Avalanche were going to acquire him, they weren't going to trade much. It was just for one playoff run. Yeah, absolutely. Part of me thinks that maybe Pavel Francouz was a part of that deal. I would hate to think that they would get rid of an asset like that this early um, in his young career. But, you know, they did sign him, which perhaps was just kind of trade bait that, hey, he's got a couple more years on his contract. He's good. He's good trade value right now. Um, but, you know, as far as Matt Murray goes, you'd hate to see him just come in and be a rental. Obviously, you love what he's done. He's got a track record. Um, so he's got a good 
you know aspect to his game I like a lot of the way he plays but I don't know if it would have been the greatest move we'll see if it's something that comes back together uh in the off season if we ever get an off season who knows yeah. um but yeah I just thought it was something I wanted to touch on obviously goalies near and dear to my heart and I, I thought it was interesting with kind of the way the goaltenders were being um, used at the end, especially with the, the injury of Grubauer. Who knows? We did see he's riding bikes, so I guess that's a good sign. It, it must not be a terrible knee issue yeah. if it was even a knee. But, um, you know, I think that's a good sign that he's riding bikes and who knows what's to come. But obviously had to touch on it. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I just sort of want to mention how hilarious it was that Philip Grubauer in, in his interview with NHL.com nonchalantly threw out there that he's biking like 100 miles a day. Like it's <laughs> completely normal for someone to bike 100 miles a day. But yeah, it looks like he's he's back in shape and ready to go whenever the season does resume, if it does resume. Yeah, could you imagine being somebody that said, oh, I, I swear I saw him yesterday and now I realize that it really was him riding a bike. I didn't I didn't think it was him. I thought I was just seeing things, but... Yeah, it's kind of a funny story that he's doing so much bike riding. Um, next thing I wanted to kind of touch on is the, uh, I guess, the leak, or I don't know where this originated from, but it really caught fire on social media, and that's that the Avalanche are considering bringing back the Nordique jerseys as a 25th anniversary, I guess, nod to Quebec. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, they'd be beautiful jerseys, something a lot of people have been anticipating. You still see people... Um, wearing the old Nordiques, Sackicks, and Forsbergs to games all the time, even Foots. So yeah, if you're not aware of where this is coming from, it's because you probably don't have a subscription to The Athletic. This is 100% a Ryan Clark story, and he did a hell of a job breaking this story. Uh, he went in-depth and even talked to the vice president of marketing and brand strategy for the Carolina Hurricanes and mentioned how they brought back the Hartford Whalers jersey. So he really took a deep dive into this, talked to some guys in, within the Kroenke Sports and Entertainment and the Avalanche side, and it's something that they are considering, and I think it would be a great move. Uh, similar to the Hartford Whalers thing with... Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, that was a fantastic move. They got to bring back some games where they wore those Whalers jerseys against the Boston Bruins and brought back a little bit of that old rivalry and the da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, they brought back uh, – it's it's not coming to mind what the song is called, but they brought back their old goal song, and it, it just had a very classic heritage feel to it. So I think the Avalanche will do it. I think it would be a great idea, and – I think the jersey's going to sell like crazy. Avalanche fans really embrace that Nordique's history and uh, that part of their franchise. And I think it would be a great move. It would be great to see the Nordiques going up against uh, the Montreal Canadiens and things like that. And just bringing back that old vibe that, you know, hockey fans love their heritage and love those classic jerseys and looks. And what better look than the Nordiques look, right? Yeah, I, I guess I showed my cards on the athletic subscription there. So thanks for calling yeah. me out on that. Um, no but was, wasn't there an issue, uh, some sort of hiccup that the city of Quebec wouldn't allow the Avalanche to have done this already, that maybe there's something being lifted? I thought I saw something of the sort, you know, I mean, and it was always strange that the Avalanche haven't tried to pull these out yet. So wasn't there something going on like that? I mean, you probably more in tune with that than I am. You know, there may have been. I kind of feel the exact same way as you were in the sense where... I feel like I've read that somewhere, but maybe the Avalanche just didn't give an honest-to-God effort to make it happen, and that was sort of, you know, just one little hurdle that they just chose to not really uh, overcome. I think the Avalanche do have the rights to the logo and to the look, if I'm not mistaken, similar to how the Hurricanes had the rights in the to the look and the logo of the Hartford Whalers, because they obviously purchased that franchise. Um, 
side note, Brass Bonanza. That's what the Hartford Whalers song was. Um, but yeah, so I think the Avalanche do have the uh, do have the rights to that look and that logo. And I think um, if they want to make it happen, it shouldn't be too hard. Obviously, the only thing that would uh, be important is, and I know Ryan Clark talked about this in his article, is getting this out there to Adidas as soon as you can so that they can start making these jerseys way in advance because if you're looking to use this next season you're looking at you know well actually right now we don't know but maybe six to nine months from now you're going to need these jerseys made so in the middle of this entire pandemic there's a part of the avalanche organization in Cronky sports and entertainment that right now is working on are we going to have a nordiques jersey next year and if we do we got to get on it asap because we need these jerseys to start being made yeah and they're going to fly off the shelves too 100 percent Oh, man, it's going to be cool to see an arena filled with those. Just like, you know, even just for the outdoor games, people gobble those jerseys up and a ton of people yeah. wear them to the – so you always got to commend the fans for how you know how much they're willing to fork over their money for a, a jersey that was only used one time. But, you know, yeah. you love to see it when it's in the arena, I think, for sure. Um, you know, we made a lot of gestures towards social media, and it's obviously a big part of all of our lives nowadays. So – I kind of wanted to throw in a new little segment in our podcast right before we hit the three stars of the week, and that's kind of the social media moments of the week where we follow along with the Avalanche players, NHL players. What's just the, uh, a funny or your favorite social media moment that's happened in the last week or so from an Avalanche player? And that's going to go to number six, Eric Johnson. Four days ago, he posted a picture on Instagram of himself wearing a full bike outfit and I, I excuse my ignorance for not knowing what the heck it is but you know he's wearing the short shorts the, the tight spandex shorts the highlighter colored zip up that's very skin tight lime green sunglasses looks like ray-bans and a biker helmet he's holding his bike on top of his shoulder looks like he was going out for a bike maybe like grubauer going out for a hundred miler who knows but he captioned it hide your girlfriends hashtag is hockey back so it looks like he's uh, losing his mind, just like the rest of us, and he's out there to, you know, take your girlfriends away from you. The comments on it are just absolutely great. Um, I haven't seen Scott, the I haven't seen the I haven't seen the picture. Does he have his fake teeth in, or is he is he showing that gaping hole in his face? Oh, he's showing a couple of. He he's got the gaping hole. Yep, it's there. So he he went full Eric Love Johnson it. with the look. Yeah, and. Uh, Landis Gogg's the first comment on there with a capital yes exclamation mark. Tyson Berry, former Av, hashtag glutless. And JT Comfer is my favorite one. Eric, I'm scared. So that to me is going to be our social media moment of the week for uh, the Avalanche players. And hashtag is hockey back speaks to all of us and I can feel it in my soul because he's losing his mind like the rest of us and, you know, you just got to make the most of this pandemic, and Eric Johnson's trying to find a way to do that. I'm always seeing Tyson Berry's hilarity in people's Instagram comments. I think that's where he really uh, has found his niche. He's he's hysterical in them a lot of times. He's just chirping people every time. Yeah, he's good, and he's I, great at it. I learned a little bit about his uh, sense of humor listening to Paul Bissonnette and how close he is to Barry, and just realizing that holy crap, this guy really does have an awesome personality and. You know, there, there's many reasons to miss him in Denver, but that's definitely one of the big ones. Absolutely. So uh, after that segment, of course, like I said, is the Mile High Sports three stars of the week brought to you by Eric and myself. 
Star number three, a little bit of a somber note, but this happened since our last podcast, is Matt Calvert. And that's due to, you know, he recently announced the, the death of his mother. Um, it was a little, I guess, post-dated. Um, but, you know, it's a very sad thing to lose your mom. So, of course, you're going to get some stick taps from us. Yeah, so on Mother's Day, uh, early last week, eight days ago, he posted on Twitter that he lost his mom, Alice, to cancer back in early April, on April 1st. And uh, that was about three weeks after the pandemic and three weeks after the last Avalanche game. And obviously all of our thoughts are with Calvert and his family. Uh, he goes into a, you know, a big story about his parents and how they made those sacrifices with him. And his mom just seems like that typical hockey mom that's willing to sacrifice you know, everything and anything for her son to reach his goals and dreams. And Matt Calvert's in the middle of a career year and he's having a hell of a season. And it's probably because of the sacrifices his mother made along the way. And, you know, I just wanted to send out a shout out to Alice, his mother, and to Matt Calvert and his family. Yeah, and while we're at it, why not just all hockey parents all over the place because they all have to make those sacrifices. Sure. I mean, I remember driving to Pueblo with my poor dad, or he's driving through the snowy mountains scared for his life. I'm just taking a nap in the back because I, I just finished a, yeah. a tough tournament. So, yeah, shout out just to all hockey parents. They get an honorable mention. Um, and if you're a hockey parent listening, you know, you're the best. Star number two, we're going to give it to JT Confer, And I think just mainly because of his presence lately in – kind of the NHL's push for esports, you know, they got to give us something and they're doing a good job. I think the NHL is with having teams really still able to connect with their fans and, you know, shout out to Twitch, which I think is probably blowing up right now. I know I joined during this coronavirus. So, um, you know, it's really awesome to see how players in the NHL are still doing their best efforts to reach out. I mean, how how crazy is it watching those Twitch simulated games and they've got Mosier and McNabb doing a live call on it as if it's real? I mean, yeah. it's hilarious. It's hilarious to me, and, and, and it's awesome, and I love what they're doing. And, and JT Confer also put together that Fortnite tournament that, you know, they're doing proceeds uh, to charities. But, you know, that's a pretty sweet idea because I think Fortnite is ironically been a huge topic in the NHL <laughs> the last few years. Yeah, so uh, Copper's been doing a great job, uh, you know, obviously with the Avalanche and the NHL and their social media teams and their branding teams and giving the fans content that they you wouldn't otherwise get. And what better time than a pandemic when players are stuck at their homes with nothing better to do? Uh, Comfort obviously was the Avalanche's uh, participant in the NHL 20 games. And, uh, like I don't you think said, he did very well. No, he, he lost quite a few games from what I remember looking. Um, but he's, he's he did playing on, Fortnite. That's probably yeah. what did it. He said, I'm tired of losing. I'm going to do something and put together something I'm actually good at. I get it. Yeah, and that's why he did the Fortnite thing. I mean, it was run by him and Toronto's Zach Hyman. They were the ones that ran the event. And his picture that he posted on social media earlier today, Tuesday morning, was with himself and Matt Nieto, Nathan McKinnon, and Zach Hyman all playing Fortnite. So uh, obviously virtually and through uh, video video. Uh, through video sharing but it's just cool to see that he was able to host something like that and he's put himself out there and it's you know it's great to see him stepping up in a, in a time like this absolutely um moving on to star number one has nothing to do with hockey at all but um i've loved the last five weeks of watching the last dance documentary so we're giving it to michael jordan obviously a major influence in 
people in my generation, you know, I was about eight years old, very influenceable, definitely enjoyed the uh, Bulls, had a Pippen jersey of my own. I, I really liked Rodman. You know, I was very one of those kids that, you know, I liked the Bulls. I liked the Cowboys. Luckily, the Avalanche were the dominant team, so I liked the Avalanche. But, um, you know, shame on me for being a little kid. I, I was still a big Nuggets fan and, and Broncos fan at the time, but they were no good. So I had to pick a team that was actually good. And everybody our age kind of gravitated toward the Bulls, obviously, because of Michael Jordan's greatness. And it was awesome to just be reminded of all that. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, you can always appreciate greatness. I'm the kind of guy that when Tom Brady is, you know, out there winning championships, I'm championships. I'm rooting for him. When Sidney Crosby makes the finals, I'm rooting for him. When uh, Michael Jordan was making the finals, I'm rooting for him. LeBron James, same thing. I want to see the great players really put a mark on their perspective sports. It's the same reason why I wanted Tony Ferguson to win that fight last week. It's the same reason why I was following Conor McGregor for so many years. You want to see the best really etch their name into their sports you know into their sport and you know become a legend but there is none other like michael jordan there's not many names that can really match up with him it was a hell of a document uh documentary and the series was great it really gave us something to watch something to talk about and the cool thing about it is even if life was normal even if we had hockey playoffs and you know if this started back in march and we had march madness going on and all these things i still think it would have gotten this much uh social media uh uh uh, this much talk on social media and in terms of just the sports world because of who Michael Jordan was and seeing all that footage was really cool and I just hope ESPN is able to do that for many you know for other athletes in the future I just don't know who they have that kind of footage for whether it's Kobe Bryant whether it's that Golden State Warriors team that won for all those years with Kevin Durant who knows but I really enjoyed that documentary and uh, I'd love to see a hockey version of that someday I just don't know who it would have to be about. Yeah, you'd love to see it about the uh, 01 Avalanche, obviously. That would be cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's one of your options because it's of just, the story. It's just so crazy, too, how wildly different the 90s were. I mean, Michael Jordan just smoking cigars in mid-locker yeah. room, smoking six cigars a day. We heard Jeremy Roenick's story of them golfing the day of a game, and they golfed yeah. 36 rounds and were crushing Miller lights the whole time. Weird how he how much he loved Miller Lite too. That was yeah. That was random. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, thanks for joining us. If you made it this far, bless your heart. Um, you know, uh, I hope we help provide some entertainment, a little bit of a release, time to talk some Avs hockey, and reminder that you know we're still here to to chat with you um, about the Avs anytime you want. And yeah, I mean, on top of that, you know, hockey might still be six, eight, 10, 12 weeks away or maybe longer if the season doesn't end up continuing. But we are going to make this a weekly thing again. We're going to come out here. We're going to talk about anything and everything possible to keep you guys engaged, to keep us engaged. Uh, Lord knows this is a very busy time right now. There's a lot of news coming out about what the NHL is going to do. I'm excited for it. I know JJ's excited. I know all of you guys are excited if you're looking forward for hockey to come back. And we'll give you guys an update. We'll, we'll come out here every week, whether we talk for five minutes or an hour. We'll have something to tell you about hockey. And, you know, we'll keep this podcast going until the season hopefully eventually does resume. Absolutely. And uh, don't forget to download DraftKings. Use our promo code MHS. Um, I can't emphasize enough how great DraftKings really is. Um, so thanks for bearing with our little live read. We're going to have to keep doing them for you, but I'm actually excited. I, like I said, I've always been betting. I was betting on Bundesliga. promise I won't bring up Bundesliga again on this podcast, but um, yeah, definitely hop on board with that. Other than that, I got nothing else. You got anything else? That's it from me. We'll see you guys hopefully next week again. Absolutely. Hockey's for everybody. We out you.